If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. As always, we talk, we sit, we talk about uh, California politics over coffee. Um, lots to discuss today. Today is more of a news roundup. There's a couple stories I want to get to, um, and then obviously get to your questions and to your uh, comments and stuff like that, and uh, whatever you want to talk about, because that's the point of coffee and California politics is that we sit and we chat and we talk about California politics over this. And if you have any questions or comments, I usually take them. If it's your first time tuning in, I usually take them later in the show. Um, and uh, yeah, so we kind of go over the top topic and then we discuss later on in the show. Uh, coffee today is Coffee or Die by Black Rifle Coffee. Add a little heavy cream today. Um Sometimes heavy cream changes the, the flavor. It kind of enhances, in my mind, just a little touch of heavy cream. Something about the fats and all that can actually help enhance the flavor of coffee a little bit. Uh, what's up? Hola, buenos dias, uh, everybody. Um, the two things we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about one, that Noodles vetoed SB57, which was the open drug uh, or the drug use site, and why I think I was correct in calling that the way it was going to happen. Also, I want to talk about some court cases that uh, I think vindicate and hopefully set the precedence from here on out, especially here in California. This is not like federal. This is California Superior Courts have come down with these decisions, which is really, really good news for businesses in California who suffered under all of the COVID lockdowns and all that stuff. So this is a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of news to get to, um, some other things I want to talk about or might get to talk about. Um, no weekly podcast this week, still working on the technical stuff. We're kind of in the middle of upgrading and all that stuff, getting the technical stuff, because I want to bring the best possible, um, you know, podcast experience to all of you. Um, also working on stuff that would help increase more like YouTube videos and stuff like that. So we can create some more content and all that. So technical, uh, upgrades and stuff like that, that we're working on, but we can still do coffee in California politics and we still sit here and chat on Instagram as always. So let's get started with our first story right off the bat. It's not this story. I was looking at this story that uh, Newsom leads Brian Dolly by a 52 to 25% gubernatorial race in a UC Berkeley poll. That wasn't shocking. That was something I was reading before. Uh, but this is the really big story that I wanted to talk about. And I think it definitely it, it fell down the way that I was exactly expecting it was going to go down. If you, know, if you remember not too long ago, I think it was a week or two ago, ago uh, I had talked about this bill, SB 57, and I talked about how in my prediction, Noodles was likely going to veto it because it had been sitting on his desk for a while. He hadn't made any really decision on it. Uh, Senator Scott Weiner, who's the author of the bill, we all know Senator Scott Weiner. He's the one with all the crazy bills. He's the one who was promoting everyone going to Door Alley when there was a monkeypox uh, scare, monkeypox pandemic going on. Um but he was one who promoted this bill and what it would have done would have allowed places like San Francisco and L.A. to open uh, the safe drug use sites. And I believed when I read this and it kind of sat on Noodle's desk for a little bit, I knew that there was going to be a problem. And I knew that, well, not a problem for us. It's good for us. I knew that it was going to be a problem for him because I think 
And we all know this noodles is getting ready for a presidential run, whether it be coming up in uh, 2024 or 2028. I think he knew he's a shrewd politician. Give him credit where credit is due. He's a shrewd politician. The fact that he knew if he did this, it would give his political opponents a lot to kind of run with. I mean, that would just be the attack ad on 24-7. It would just show a video of this and it would just show people saying, hey, this is what they allow in California. Is this what you want in your state? And swing states like Arizona, um, Georgia, all those states in the middle, you know, Ohio, uh, even Florida, which I think is tending trending more red now. I think Florida is almost like a safer, lean red state. Ohio used to be a swing state, but now it's more of a lean red. Um, but there's those big states like Arizona, which would not look at this favorably and say, I'm definitely not voting for a guy who allows for addicts to basically continue to shoot up and the government provides for that. I don't think that's what people wanted. Um, so this is from California Globe. SB 57 would have allowed for the open operation of drug dens in Los Angeles and San Francisco counties. Ironically, Democrats referred to the bill as the, quote, overdose prevention program, end quote. In his veto message, Governor Gavin Newsom said he has, quote, long supported the cutting edge of harm reduction strategies, end quote, but expressed concern about the number of drug injection sites the bill would allow without strong, engaged local leadership and well-documented and vetted thoughtful operational sustainability plans. There's also speculation that with Governor Newsom leaning towards a 2024 presidential run, this was a bill too far for the rest of the country to ingest. It would have provided a cudgel for opponents to use against him. As the Globe noted in the August 9th article, quote, this legislation appears to go hand in hand with Democrats' policies on homelessness or lack thereof policies. California's predominantly Democrat state and local politicians have allowed the homeless drug addicts and mentally ill to live on city and county streets along rivers in public parks and golf courses without constraint. Even the low barrier homeless shelters, Democrats support lack restrictions, allowing for open drug use and drug deals, rape, physical abuses and other crimes. Uh, why would anyone think open drug dens in L.A. and San Francisco would be any different? Uh, notably, there is no pathway to treatment in SB 57, just as with Democrat solutions to homelessness. There is no pathway to any treatment. Uh, Senator Republican, uh, Senate Republican leader Scott Wilk uh, believes that this was a win and that the people really kind of pushed back. And I believe people did push back on this. Um, and I believe there's definitely people who did call in and write to their people and say, like, look, we're not going to we don't support this as one of those more controversial bills. But in the end, I think it was Noodle's own greedy ambitions to become president someday that he knew that if he signed this bill, he would most likely have this used against him. I would most definitely most definitely have this be used against him uh, because. Again, this is one of those issues that on the surface of it, even if you could sit there and try and make a rational argument, which people have tried to do, and I still don't understand, I try and figure out what the rational argument for this is. I believe that the rational argument should be how do we help these people? How do we get them into facilities where they get off drugs? And how do we get them to not continue to do this? Again, the, the analogy I like to use is if you knew someone was an alcoholic, you wouldn't necessarily hand them a bottle of Jack Daniels and say, well, I know you're an alcoholic, but I want you to continue using and drinking alcohol. Um, therefore, I think that will somehow help you, because at least if I'm watching you drink alcohol, that'll be better. Uh, someone say, what do you think are his chances to even pass the primary? It would be tough, I would say, for him to pass the primary, which, again, and it kind of leads into my point as to he's moving more moderate, which 
in a way, is a silver lining for us in California because, as we talked about with the water and with the electricity, he has to show he can get stuff done. And you can't go into a presidential primary where you have a state that can't turn on the electricity, can't turn on the light, you can't turn on the faucet and get water. Um, those are two big issues. And if you're going to try and run for president, and those are really big things that are plaguing California, your opponents are going to look at you and go, yeah, you can't even keep the lights on and people can't even get water in California. So what makes you think you want to be president of the United States? Um, and I think this would have been another one of those marks against him where they would have said, this is what you supported. You signed this into law to allow for addicts to continue to use instead of getting them off some sort of uh, off this addiction and into some sort of treatment. You've just decided that you're going to allow them to keep doing this. Uh, so I think in a way we're going to benefit from noodles uh, ambitions to run for president because he will be forced to move more towards the middle. And it will force him to actually get stuff done. And I think that if he has those aspirations, if he has to go to Iowa, I mean, think about it this way. The primary usually runs through Iowa and then through New Hampshire, states that are not necessarily uber progressive. You know, you look at Iowa, they always say, well, why does it start with Iowa? It just kind of that's how it falls. Like you can change updates and stuff like that. The sort of tradition is that Iowa is sort of the first one. Um, but if you're going to win over voters in Iowa and you're going to win over voters in New Hampshire and then North Carolina, it kind of goes does this like little wraparound. Um, those are usually the states you have to win to set yourself up for success. And. If you saw in the past couple Democratic primaries, you saw people like Bernie Sanders jumped out ahead really quickly uh, in this first this last one in 2020. Pete Buttigieg jumped out and won Iowa somehow. It was kind of like contested how he won, uh, but he won in Iowa because I guess people thought he was the most moderate out of everybody, which really says something if Pete Buttigieg is viewed as the most moderate out of everybody. Um, and then you kind of have to move along. And if you go to Iowa, I doubt there's a lot of people in Iowa who are going to look at San Francisco and L.A. as what they want to happen there. And he knows that. Look, he's got twenty four million dollars in the war chest right now, which he doesn't really have to spend any of it on running for governor. I already cited to you the uh, polls showing that it's more than a double. He has more than double support than Brian Dolly does. Fifty two to twenty five percent of people who are planning on voting for one or the other. So he basically doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to spend that much money in all actuality. And he can continue to raise a crap ton of money. So he's sitting on $24 million already, which he can then transfer to a presidential campaign, meaning that he's already going to have an enormous war chest going into these primaries. Uh, but again, his opponents are likely going to press him on these things. And even if he does get through the primary, let's say Gavin Newsom somehow gets through the primary of the Democratic uh, uh, primary system. Somehow he gets through because he's, uh, I don't know, people think he's the most charming, most handsome. I know. I'm sorry if all of you just had breakfast and you're throwing up in your mouth a little bit right now. But let's just say he's the most young, charismatic guy, he goes out there and people vote for him and they support him. I mean, look, they've supported Bernie Sanders, who was uber progressive because they want something different. He could present himself as the 
uber, not the, you know, the practical progressive. And he wins. He gets through the primary. Now he's got to face off against someone like a Ron DeSantis. Um, Ron DeSantis and him have been going back and forth a lot. The proof is in the pudding in terms of their states in general. Uh, someone says no breakfast, just dry heaving. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's tough to say that stuff like that. Um, but if he has to face off against a Republican opponent, you know the Republican opponent is absolutely going to shred him to pieces on a lot of these far left uh, California policies, and they're just going to run that over and over and over and over again to the point where nobody is really going to want that. Um, in their state. And I mean, it's the, it's the common phrase you hear. Don't California, my Texas, don't California, my Florida, don't California, my country. And Gavin Newsom is that he may get a good amount of support because with Democrats, because he is much younger and more energetic than president Biden is. I mean, then again, I mean like, you know, a Jack Russell is more energetic and lively than president Biden is. Uh, but let's just say that's how it ends up. They don't have a deep bench, the Democrats. That's the thing. The Democrats don't really have as deep of a bench, I would say, as Republicans do when it comes to presidential candidates. One reason why I think it may be a good idea to move on from Trump um, is because there is a deep bench for Republican candidates. You know, you have a DeSantis. People say, well, we want DeSantis for four more years and we don't want him to go run for president. Sometimes those things just don't. I, I mean, we if we could all sit here and pick and, and this isn't like baseball where you're calling up people from the minors, things happen, society changes, people jump into races, and people win. Um, nobody thought that a junior senator who had barely spent even half of his first term, I mean, only like two years, uh, as a junior senator from the state of Illinois, would all of a sudden become the biggest phenomenon in politics in like 20 years, uh, all of a sudden be rise to become president. Sometimes it's just that's the moment. And sometimes these politicians have to seize their moment. So, again, I'm kind of getting off track about really about this. But the point being, if you have a Ron DeSantis versus a, versus a Governor Newsom when it comes to the presidential election, issues like this are stuff you don't want to feed your enemy. Uh, you certainly don't want to give him anything on a silver platter that he can run with and say, look, this is what they're doing in California. You don't want that to come here to uh, Florida. You don't want that to come to here in Texas and stuff like that. Um, not to mention, I mean, there's still plenty of stuff that is already out there that he's signing, which is still bad news for him. SB 918, which is basically outlawing carrying conceal here in the state of California, I still think it's going to most likely fail in any court that can read the Bruin decision. We'll look at it and go, uh, yeah, this is you know unconstitutional. I can't do this. Uh, but regardless, there are still a lot of Second Amendment Democrats. There's still a lot of Second Amendment independents. There's still a lot of people in like those swing states who are Second Amendment people. Arizona, there's a big Second Amendment group of voters. They're very big in the Second Amendment in Arizona. Stuff like that does not bode well for a Democrat who's running in a general election. So... With that said, I, th I do think in a weird silver lining sort of way, we might get a more moderate Gavin Newsom, if not for the next two years, we might get it for the next six years of someone who's trying to position themselves. And you can already hear the, the crying and the gnashing of teeth from the far left who say, you know, he's not being progressive enough and he's not supporting all these things. Well, yeah, because he wants to run for president and he wants to be more moderate and he's moving towards the middle. 
And the funny thing is he has to move towards the middle um, in his own Democratic Party. Otherwise, he doesn't stand a chance because if he's way too far left and he's too California, he might actually lose. Because I don't think Bernie Sanders is going to run again. He might run again. Who knows? Bernie Sanders is a crazy old guy. He might run again. Uh, This next story, which I read, is actually very interesting. I think this is really good news. And I think if you read this and you figure that this is really big news, especially here in California, this was not federal. This was state courts. So state courts came down with these decisions. There were three court rulings that came out that were enormous for a lot of the COVID lockdowns. Now, a lot of people like myself and like other commentators were saying throughout all of COVID that shutdowns were illegal. You can't do this. this is unconstitutional. I had always advocated that any sort of government shutdown where they tell you, hey, your business is going to be shut down and we're going to tell you you have to shut down your business because it's going to help stop the pandemic could be a Fifth Amendment violation. According to this, there was an issue with commandeering under the Tenth Amendment. So there were a lot of issues of these governments telling businesses to shut down to help them um, fight the pandemic, which is basically what commandeering is. So let me read a little bit of this article. It's very interesting. Um, it talks a lot about Mark Mazur, who was on the program before. He's running for U.S. Senate. Uh, he's the Republican candidate running for U.S. Senate in, here in California. Um, I'd like to have him on again. I think this is really interesting. I'd like to get his take on this stuff. Uh, but it says, and this is also from California Globe, the third California court in a week has ruled in favor of the people of California and the United States Constitution against the government over state ordered COVID lockdowns. California courts are ruling that the government may have overstepped, may have, I would say it definitely did, overstepped its authority when they followed Gavin Newsom's shutdown orders, according to constitutional attorney and U.S. Senate candidate Mark Mauser. The cases can move forward and begin discovery. So it sounds like what has ha- what is happening in these lawsuits is they filed a complaint, usually the other side, the government, will file a demur, meaning a demur is a fancy term for a motion to dismiss, basically saying, look, you don't have a case, uh, you don't, the law's not on your side, there's no case here. It's a way to kind of circumvent litigation so that if you bring up a really crazy lawsuit, somebody can file a demur and say, uh, you don't have any facts to state your claim, you don't have enough, um, therefore, we're going to get rid of this case because even if we were to continue on this path and go down this a little bit more, it's not going to go anywhere because you can't base it on anything and you're not likely going to win. There's a lot of ways that litigation can be short circuited if uh, if people aren't if they bring a lot of litigious lawsuits and they don't really make any sense. That's why you don't see a lot of these crazy lawsuits really making it to trial because you can demur them and get them out of court. Uh, So what happened was they filed these complaints. Likely the government said, look, this is ridiculous. We have this authority. We can do these things. Therefore, we should just get rid of these cases. But what it now sounds like is these courts have said, no, actually, there is a good legitimate claim here. And we as a court want to investigate this more. It doesn't necessarily mean that the court's going to rule this way. It just means that they've moved forward with it, saying that, yeah, maybe there is an issue here. Um, Mauser said in the San, San Jose Calvary Chapel case, the first court ruled that courts can't sanction a church for refusing to shut down since it was later determined that Newsom overstepped his constitutional authority in shutting down churches. Mauser said the governor and state government uh, never had the authority to shut down churches. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it was later determined by the Supreme Court uh, that you can't shut down churches. You can't de- you can't delineate churches from businesses. Um, and now there is a permanent injunction in place, thanks to the Supreme Court, saying if you, as in the state of California or anywhere, basically, if you try and shut down businesses again and you say, oh, well, liquor stores can be open, then guess what? Churches have to be open as well. You can't pick and choose and you can't shut down churches. Um, so this case was specifically because this uh, San Jose Calvary Chapel, they refused to shut down. So the government came down on them, started to fine them and give them all these sanctions. And now they're saying, well, you can't really sanction someone for exercising their constitutional right. Uh, in the Orange County Nail Salon case, the second court ruled that since Newsom picked which businesses were allowed to remain open in order to, quote, flatten the curve, the government may be liable for damages those businesses suffered as a result of following the governor's orders. Mazur said the nail salon's lawsuit used the, quote, commandeering law to address when the government seizes a business. If the government made the decision to use your property and fight the emergency, the government has to pay fair market value for it. When Governor Newsom decided which businesses would be locked down, which were not, that was commandeering the lockdown business. So let's talk a little bit about what commandeering is. Now, commandeering comes out of the 10th Amendment and comes out of uh, constitutional concerns that if the federal government, most people think if the federal government tells the states to do something, basically, if they say, like, jump, the states will have to ask how high. That's not the case entirely. And this is one way that they created federalism because they were worried. What's the point of having states if... Uh, the federal government can basically just do whatever they want, and we have to listen to the federal government. And it's definitely more murky than a lot of people think. A lot of people think it's uh, the supremacy clause. They think it has to do if you just have, if there's a law that goes in the books, then obviously federal court overrules everything. That's not necessarily the case. The supremacy clause is something different. We don't really want to go down that route. I really want just want to focus on what they meant by commandeering. Um. James Madison answered this question in Federalist number 46, and it said, should an unwarrantable measure of the federal government be unpopular in particular states, which would seldom fail to be the case, or even a warrantable measure to be so, which may sometimes be the case. Uh, I think it's funny that he says it should seldom fail to be the case that it should be unpopular. The means of opposition to it are powerful and at hand. The disquietude of the people, the repugnance and perhaps refusal to cooperate with officers of the union, the frowns of the executive magistracy of the state, the embarrassment created by legislative devices, which would often be added on such occasions, would oppose in any state very serious impediments. And where the sentiments of several adjoining states happen to be in union would present obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. Let me break that down for you. So anti-commandeering means the federal government cannot take a law and they can't say, I'm going to therefore use your state resources and your state personnel to execute federal law. Um, You can't, as a federal government, require the states to use their people to do and enact your law. Otherwise, you would be commandeering the states, and therefore, there would really be no difference between the states and the federal government. Basically, they're saying, look, you want to come up with these laws and you want to enact this stuff. You kind of have to do it on your own as a federal government. You can't really make the states do it. 
Um, so how does this relate to the restaurants is because what had happened is the state of California had come along and said, look, we need to fight this pandemic. Um, and most business owners could go, okay, you have to fight the pandemic. What does that have to do with me? And Davin Newsom and Noodles could say, well, we're going to ask you to shut down. We're going to require you to shut down because we need to fight this uh, pandemic. Well, you're commandeering my business. You're taking it over because you have to fight the pandemic. Not necessarily. That's not really my problem. You as a state government have to fight this pandemic, not me as a private business owner. It's not my job to fight the pandemic. That's what we pay taxes for. That's why we have the Department of Health. That's why we have all these things, because you're supposed to fight the pandemic, not me. And you're basically conscripting someone or you're drafting them into this fight for COVID and the pandemic when they don't really want to do it. Um, so that's where this argument is going. And it looks like the court accepts that that's a valid argument that you can say the state commandeered my business. I think that and, and Mauser brings this up as well in the article. When it comes to the Fifth Amendment, if somebody uses your property, if the government uses your property to the point where uh, you've lost all economic value in it, and that's basically the case with a lot of private businesses during COVID, if you've lost all economic value, that's a Fifth Amendment violation under the takings clause. Uh, you Governments can't take private property without any fair, just compensation. And we know these businesses were not justly and fairly compensated. We know that they weren't paid back what they were making. We know that businesses went under. We know businesses barely hung on for as long as possible. Sure, the federal government tried to bail a lot of these businesses out, but if you know, you can go around. And after the dust settled from COVID, um, you could see, and it's sad, you would drive around your neighborhood and say, well, there's one, there's another one that bit the dust because of COVID. You know, there's another COVID casualty. Um, and that's what they're arguing. And it looks like the court here is accepting that argument and saying, you can't do this in the future. Uh, possibly. And I'm saying possibly because they, there hasn't been a ruling yet. But the fact that the court is open to this argument means that, hey, we're they can go into discovery. They can get more evidence. Um, and that the court hasn't just thrown it out on its face, which a lot of these cases usually do. Sadly, a lot of these cases do just get thrown out on their face because courts don't agree with them. And especially in 2020 and 2021, you saw a lot of judges who were not particularly crazy about sticking their neck out for a lot of this, which is a shame. Um, but, you know, they're people, too, and they have homes and they have families. Um, doesn't change the fact that I think they made bad decisions. A lot of these judges just basically punted and said, look, we don't know what's going on, and therefore it's not really our place to do that. But now we're looking back, and I think it's important we look back and still hold. So uh, it's still important that we hold a lot of the government accountable for this and that these lawsuits are enacted and that these uh, lawsuits keep going because this precedent has to be set for the future. We can't have precedent where there's no precedent. They can just do this over and over again. But if you have... Um, precedent where from here on out, the government knows that courts have ruled against them saying you can't commandeer businesses and you can't take them over. That's a big deal. That's safety and comfort to those businesses knowing if this ever happens again, there won't be any more lockdowns and I won't be forced to close over pandemics because it's not really my job to fight the pandemic. It's the state government's job to fight the pandemic.
Um, a little bit more on this issue, and then I want to open it up uh, for, well, we got some more time. In the Los Angeles uh, Tin Horn Flats restaurant case, a third court ruled that businesses are allowed to sue the government for targeting them because they were vocal in opposing Newsom's shutdown orders. Mauser said this restaurant targeted by government for daring to question the constitutionality of the lockdown orders and defying them. The government cut off their power and built walls around the outside of the business to keep them closed and send messages to other businesses. Government must enforce the laws equally. They cannot target those who exercise their First Amendment rights. The restaurant said they were targeted and no one else was by the government, which violated their First Amendment right to assemble. Uh, the Los Angeles Superior Court is allowing the Tin Horn Flats COVID-19 case against the government to continue. The court refuses to dismiss Tin Horn Flats case that Burbank targeted because it expressed its opposition to Newsom shutdown orders. Uh, and this is another step forward in the First Amendment cause of action. Uh, and this was a breakdown from Mar uh, Mark Mauser about, you know, in 2020, March 11th, 2020. This is what he said back then uh, in an article. Uh, on March 11, 2020, Governor Newsom's office published the fact that it was the California Department of Public Health's policy of preventing gatherings of groups larger than 250 people should be postponed. This was not an executive order by the governor. Instead, it was a California Department of Public Health policy. This policy does not cite a single law that the that gives the California Department of Public Health authority to shut down events of 250 people or require social distancing of more than six feet. While these may be good guidelines to follow, they are simply policies that are they are not law. Uh, notice the language. Oh, and sorry. Jump back to emphasize that this was just policy and not a law. On March 20, 12, 2020, Newsom issues his next executive order. This executive order states that all residents are to heed any orders and guidance of state and local public health officials, including but not limited to the imposition of social distancing measures to control the spread of COVID-19. Notice the language of this order. All residents are to heed any orders and guidance. If you look up the word heed in the dictionary, you will discover that it means to give consider consideration attention to. It does not say you must obey Gavin Newsom and his executive order utilizing his powers granted him after declaring a state of emergency, told the citizens of California that Californians should take the advice given by the California Department of Public Health into consideration when making decisions. So, anyway, whew, need to take a sip of coffee right now. So, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of these things... It's great to see that these lawsuits are proceeding. Now, again, there hasn't been a ruling on any of these cases. Now, you can get through this entire process and the judge may disagree and say, OK, well, uh, I don't agree in part. I don't agree in, on everything. Um, but the fact that they are proceeding shows at least a sliver of hope for here in California. Uh, because it does show that there are judges who are willing to listen to these cases. There are judges who are not going to dismiss these cases just on their face that they want to hear these questions sort of examined. And um, for all of the lawsuits that were filed, there were probably hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits that were filed. There's only going to be a fraction of them that really do get through. Um, and that means that, but some of these do get through. And that's the point is you kind of have to, uh, scattershot a lot of these lawsuits and see which sticks because if you're going to bring it under one complaint you may say a cause of action under this if you want to bring it under another complaint you may have a different cause of action 
Um, you know, someone may say, well, I'm going to bring this against the government for breach of contract. And then they say, well, there's no reason for breach of contract. Okay. That's dismissed. Uh, I'm going to bring this for emotional damage. They say no emotional damage. It's dismissed. Um, but in this case, they're saying, look, you brought it under commandeering. You brought it under, uh, what's in the first amendment. You brought this under the issue that they didn't have the authority to do so. That's where, uh, that's where you have to keep trying. That's where you have to keep trying with these lawsuits and figure out which one works. Because once you get one and once you get one good argument that works in court, you can therefore go ahead and use that case again and again and again. Sort of like Bruin. Like, you know, Bruin with the carry and conceal. Now that we have one Supreme Court case that says you have a right to carry and conceal and we have to abide by the Second Amendment as it's written in plain text and by the history and tradition of the United States of America. That's a big deal. Now you can go with that one case and start to see the ramifications of more cases being litigated and more of it being argued and more of it being upheld based on this case law. And that's really what we want to see. So best of luck to these lawsuits. I hope they really do work out uh, in the end because it's really it's really important that we get the case precedent ahead of us now so that this can never happen again. Um, it's crazy. We're still in a state of emergency. The legislature um, does not want to, get, does not want to remove, uh, Gavin Newsom's, uh, state of emergency powers. We're still in a state of emergency. They declared a separate state of emergency for monkeypox conveniently right after door alley. That's a whole different thing. We did a whole episode on that. Uh, but you know, one, you got to take your wins as you can get them here in the state of California. And this is really good news. And I hope you take this and go, Hey, there are people out there. There are lawyers out there fighting, and there are judges who are listening to these lawsuits, and hopefully we get good news on them. So with that said, I'm going to open it up to questions and comments. As always, open it up to the chat while I take another sip of coffee. <sighs> oh, my good Throat has been scratchy. Probably when you start using air conditioning in the summer, it'd be, you know, it dries everything out. So all of a sudden, you get this really... Uh, your throat gets a lot more, um, what was I saying? A lot more dry. So let me see what your questions, comments are. Um, I can go back as well. Let me see what we need account accountability where damages award by the court payouts come out of those politicians, personal wealth, not the taxpayers. I wish, I wish that was, um, I wish that was the case. You know, I wish that was the case where like, if a politician does do something like this, they should be punished. I think there should be a little bit more accountability where politicians, if they know they're doing something that's flagrantly anti-constitutional, whether it's California constitutional or United States constitutional, and they lose in court, I think there should be some sort of sanction on that politician, whether they um, get removed from office or something like that. Like Because a lot of these politicians, and even President Biden himself has said, Look, we'll just make these decisions, and by the time the courts catch up to us, we'll have already gotten past what we want to do. And they do it anyway. Like, they openly admit, like, we're going to do this because we know that it's anti-constitutional, but by the time the courts catch up, it's it, it doesn't really make a difference to us. And it doesn't hurt us. In fact, what, the only way it hurts the people is our tax dollars then go to pay council, whether it's the attorney general's office or county councils or city council or stuff like that, who then have to go fight these cases 
and waste taxpayer dollars on stuff like that when they could be doing other things. Um, so I think there should be absolutely some sort of accountability where they, if they do, if they pass these laws, they propose these laws. Um, if you're the author of a law, I think if you're the author of a law and you put your name on a bill and then it's later determined that it was unconstitutional, sorry, then you should be held accountable because you're violating people's rights. And it's a problem with politicians that get away with it all the time. Like, so, um, it would definitely give a lot of these crazy politicians, not only in California, but in the rest of the country kind of pause to go, maybe this isn't a great idea. Maybe I might get sanctioned for this if I pass some sort of unconstitutional law, because really they should be beholden to us. Does the state of emergency change how the laws are interpreted? Not necessarily um, a little bit. The state of emergency, the law itself allows for the Department of Health to issue guidance and issue some sort of um, not necessarily orders, but the Department of Public Health is allowed to issue orders, give a little bit more guidance on what they're supposed to do. But again, they're not a legislative body. So to issue a lot of these orders that are binding to make people do things does change um does change things a little bit, but it doesn't, it shouldn't in this case, if you look at how they rolled it out, where they said we are requiring, or we want people to pay heed to the department of public health guidance and and information. Okay. Pay heed is fine. It's like when they say, Oh, we recommend people should wear a mask here in California. But as soon as they went to like a strong recommendation, like you saw, nobody was really wearing masks anymore. I mean, you see people wearing masks, but like the large majority of people aren't wearing masks anymore even though they still, I mean, if you look it up, I'm sure they still recommend that you have to wear a mask, um, but they're not requiring people to wear masks anymore. So let's see. If these cases are found in favor of the businesses and not Newsom estate, will that reflect bad on him for a presidential? Oh, absolutely. I think this is another case. Well, there's already cases that came out of COVID. Uh, there was the case of uh right down here the south bay i think it's south bay pentecostal church which is the one that went up to the supreme court and justice gorsuch absolutely eviscerated the state of california and gavin newsom basically saying you can't infringe on people's right to exercise their religion and it's a constitutionally protected right um because what's the point i remember gorsuch saying what's the point of having a constitution if every time we declare a state of emergency we can just throw the whole thing out. And he's absolutely right. What is the point of having a constitution? If we could just declare a state of emergency and throw everything out because we've figured out these politicians love to declare state of emergencies, you know, any little thing, any little inconvenience, and all of a sudden it's a state of emergency and we got to, uh, you know, everything's got to change and we got to bypass the legislature and we got to, you know, we got to rule by fiat. So there is that issue of, the Constitution still exists. These inalienable natural rights still do exist for all of us. And the Constitution does not grant us those rights. The Constitution recognizes those rights, saying that these are inherent rights. They are inalienable rights from our creator. And therefore, we have to protect them or we have to make sure the government doesn't infringe upon them. Uh, and the Constitution doesn't grant them. We always have them. So if the uh, if America were to go away tomorrow, we would still have those rights. Those are inalienable rights. Um, so there are cases like that. He already lost a big one because of that for freedom of religion and the exercise of religion. Um, 
So that stuff will reflect badly on him. So if he does make it all the way through and get to actually run for president as the Democratic nominee, a lot of these middle swing states, which a lot of people are very religious, they'll show not only what happened in California, they'll show churches being closed and people not being allowed to go into worship. And that makes up a big difference when you talk about these swing states that are purple. So that definitely does reflect badly on him. If Trump were convicted of whatever, hypothetically, would the same precedent apply to activist groups going after noodles? Um, and you mean like inciting insurrection or something like that? I don't really understand why. If he was convicted, they're trying to convict him on anything that they can possibly get their hands on. Uh, and they're trying to do that as fast as possible because they know there's likely a possibility that he either announces before the midterms or immediately after the midterms, if the Republicans take back the Senate and the House, that he'll likely announce he's running for president uh, pretty soon afterwards. And once you announce as a political candidate, then it makes it a little bit harder and a little bit more trickier because if Biden's FBI and his Department of Justice is going after a political candidate, then you're sort of feeling the fire that they're going after him because he's a political opponent and that just galvanizes more people to get behind him. Also, there's a lot of legal precedents of presidents using their executive branch to go after a political opponent. I mean, that's stuff you see like in Latin America with dictatorships is people going after political enemies using the power of the state. But I'm not really sure how it would apply to activist groups um, going after uh, noodles. Um, maybe specifically groups that oppose noodles, they would say like inciting interaction or violence, but they're trying to do that anyway. They're basically trying to, this was two weeks ago, I believe on coffee in California politics. We talked about how the lines are drawn where, uh, They've been, they've made it known if you're conservative or you lean right of center that you're basically got a target on your back, that they don't believe that you're a legitimate citizen. They believe you're a terrorist. They believe that you're a domestic terrorist. They believe that if you fly uh, the Gadsden flag, the don't tread on me flag, you're a terrorist. They believe if you fly the Betsy Ross flag, you're a terrorist. I mean, these are crazy notions in our United States that just acknowledging the Revolutionary War is good enough for the FBI to look at you and go, you're a domestic terrorist. And that's terrifying in its own right. So, um, I mean, they're already going that way. They're already going that way where the state is basically saying, we have to get rid of all these people who don't agree with us as fast as possible. We have to deplatform them. We have to censor them. We have to get them off social media. We have to come up with any phony baloney, fakakted sort of rule so that we can get them off social media and deplatform them so their voice can't get out because, God forbid, people are starting to listen to them and starting to believe in them, and that's that's a horrible thing. So, Let's see. Next question. I remember they sent out the health department to shut down restaurants for health violations such as masking or outdoor dines. Did they have that authority to do so? I mean, I guess under this, they don't really have the authority because what are they? where was their authority to do so? Did the legislature vote to give them authority? Who gave them the authority to do so? Um, I mean, they could say, where did they get the authority to find them? Where did they get the authority to shut them down? And I guess that sort of goes in hand in hand with a lot of these businesses that are suing. One of the lawsuits we just talked about where they say, you damaged us because you forced us to shut down. Um, 
they can go back and say you didn't have the authority to shut down. So it will be interesting to see where their argument goes from there. Um, if the public health department didn't have the authority to shut them down, they certainly didn't have the authority to send employees to go shut down businesses or find them or anything like that. Um, and same thing with tin, tin horn flats, which is one that stood up for itself. It got fined for being opened. And I think they can, and we, there was another place that, uh, won and they were not required to pay all the fees and sanctions, which was another good, good news. Uh, could this cape case help business owners go after the San Diego board of supervisors that forced businesses to close during the pandemic? Sure. Yeah. If this case comes down and it comes down to the point where they do rule in favor, uh, hold on to your butts because there's going to be a lot of businesses who are going to come forward and say, they're going to be suing the hell out of the government saying we've been damaged. We can show you damages and we could prove damages. Therefore, you know, the, government might be in a world of hurt if that's the case and, and then there might be a flurry of these lawsuits coming down the pike where businesses can sue um you know whether it's the state see the thing was that it went from county by county right in the beginning so a lot of these board of supervisors you could probably sue them for the time that they were in charge but once uh noodles took over and basically made it one man rule and he was going to set everything all up all by himself. Uh, then you would go after the state of California because he took it on himself. So, you know, hey, they're sitting on a hundred billion dollar surplus. It may be time to start paying out a lot of these businesses that were incorrectly closed. I'm surprised you didn't talk about Fauci. Uh, Fauci. Oh, my God. I'm the science. Uh, the science is retiring. I don't know what the world is going to do without Dr. Fauci. Um, and the news rang out and you heard uh, the screams of millions of masked up people screaming in, in horror. Um, there was a great disturbance in the force uh, because Dr. Fauci is no longer going to be dictating what people can do or what they cannot do. And uh, good riddance to Dr. Fauci, uh, a lifelong state bureaucrat who did really nothing in the world of medicine except tell people what to do he blundered the aids pandemic uh, uh, incredibly you can go i forget what the book is there's a really good book um that details everything fauci got wrong during the aids pandemic someone if you know in the chat oh god i i know i'm gonna look this up right now because this is really gonna bother me if if you're interested, there's a there's a book that came out, um, book about AIDS pandemic, Doctor Fauci. Uh, it was a really, it was kind of a revolutionary book at the time. Hold please. Uh, do, 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 do. Of course, they're of course they're not gonna like show you it, um, what it was. Uh, jeez. Of course, everything is like when you look at the search is Dr. Fauci did this. Dr. Fauci did that um, book about AIDS pandemic. I think it might just be a, about the AIDS pandemic. Um, the AIDS pandemic, AIDS pandemic. I'll find it and I'll figure it out. But it, it's not like the beat goes on or something like that. It's a weird title. Uh, and it basically goes into talking about Dr. Fauci and everything he got wrong during the AIDS pandemic. But there's a guy who's gotten a lot wrong in his life. There's a lot of questions. Um, it's very likely that, I mean, it's not coincidental that 
what happens in December? Okay, uh, a lot of these politicians, if the Republicans take back Congress, what happens in December? Um, a lot of the politicians now who are on his side might be voted out of office. Uh, therefore, uh, by January, when they get all the Republicans in office and they want to do some hearings, he'll be out of office and he'll just be a private citizen. He'll get to say, oh, I'm just a private citizen. They're still going to call him in front of hearings and stuff like that. But um, just incredible amount of narcissism from him to say he was the science and that he was never wrong and he never got anything wrong. And then when he did get stuff wrong, he would go back and be like, well, I didn't necessarily say that. I didn't say like, you know, I didn't. That wasn't exactly what I said. Um, So it, it is interesting that he is leaving all of a sudden out of nowhere. He just, he's leaving, but he's going to make a crap ton of money probably in the private sector. He'll be on the board of some crazy pharmaceutical company or something like that, making even more money than he did. Um, and the man single handedly destroyed millions of lives. You know, he, he destroyed millions of lives with his policies. Um, oh, that was the thing he said. He said, Oh, I never, I never suggested lockdowns. I never suggested shutting everything down. Um, he was like, oh, that was the CDC, um, even though he was on news saying, like, we can't go back to normal for how long because of all this. Uh, so good riddance to Dr. Fauci. I'm worried, though, you know, Biden will put somebody else in as well. The good news is that if a Republican wins in 2024, it's a lot easier to remove someone who's only been there for two years rather than someone like a Dr. Fauci who's been there for you know, freaking half a century, like 50 years at this point, um, because it looks more political if you remove someone who's been there for 50 years and served under all these administrations. And if someone's there only been there for two years and they only served under President Biden, it's a lot easier for them to go, okay, we're going to replace you with somebody that we actually believe with, like a Dr. Atlas or something like that. So goodbye, Dr. Fauci. Thank you for the memories. Uh, Where do you think Fauci will go next? Uh, yeah, I think he'll go to a think tank. He'll probably be on the board of something and he'll just make a lot of money. My aunt and friend were, who both have restaurants were threatened by the health department that they would shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sure that they actually have, um, it's not sure that they had the authority. I will miss Tim pool saying droplets, uh, the droplets. Yeah. I will miss, uh, freedom tunes doing videos. I'm sure they'll do one more video about Dr. Fauci. Uh, like I said, I just don't hope they don't replace him with someone worse. They could replace him with someone worse, but again, if a Republican wins in twenty twenty four, they'll just they can just remove that guy and put someone else in. So, um, you know, but then all of a sudden, I'm sure I can predict it right now. They'll put someone in place um, that usually checks all of the uh, you know boxes of like they're a minority they're lgbt uh they're trans they're blah 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 and then if a republican comes in and wants to get rid of them the first calls are well you're a racist you're a bigot you're a homophobe blah, 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 blah. um now you're politicizing something as as straightforward as science i mean it's so predictable at this point you can hear their line of reasoning and their argument right now so it'll be interesting um the real dr fauci the Real Dr. Fauci is written by uh, Robert Kennedy. That's a different book. The book I'm talking about was written back in the 80s uh, or late 80s, 90s, as they were coming out of the AIDS pandemic. And they learned more about what was going on with the AIDS pandemic. 
I got it. I'll, I'll have to find it. Uh, the real Dr. Fauci came out recently. This book is like 30 years old. Um, it's not the beat goes on. This is really going to bug me now. Uh, yeah. Oh, and the band played on. That's what it's called. Uh, Randy Stilts. In the band played on politics, people, and the AIDS pandemic. The band, I knew it was something like the beat played on or the beat went on or something like that. And the band played on. That's the name of the book. And the band played on. Um, and that was an older book that called out Dr. Fauci and called out everything he did wrong way back in the day. So they knew Dr. Fauci was sort of a fraud way back in the day. Dr. Fauci, as I like to call him, F A O X Y. Um, do. do, 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 do. Yeah, he's giving me a gun with a $350, $350,000 pension. Do you think Rand Paul will really go after him? Oh, God, I hope so. I hope Rand Paul goes after him. Um, because Rand Paul has been building, he's not a lawyer, uh, Rand Paul, but he's he's kind of in a way building a case where he can kind of get, he keeps getting Fauci like to say stuff, and then like he's just building a case of what Fauci said under under oath. Um, and now that things are changing, he could probably get more like the longer you get Fauci to talk under oath in the Senate, the more likely he's going to screw something up. Um, now the question is, will they actually do anything about it? I don't know. We'll see. Do, 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 do. So full of himself and people wearing t-shirts with this face. Yeah. Dr. Fauci that or St. Fauci. Um, Fauciism, as I, I, I made a post once with his face on a candle, which was not photoshopped. I actually found that on Etsy. I found that actual candle on Etsy with him on like a saint, uh, you know, which as a Catholic is kind of sacrilegious to me that they put him on a saint candle. Um, and they, it's basically the, the religion of Fauciism where you believe everything he says and nothing he says is infallible and whatever he recommends is exactly the 100% truth. It's the gospel truth, and you should just believe him and um, not question him at all. Uh, if they went after Trump as a private citizen, couldn't they go after Fauci as a private citizen? Sure, yeah, they could. I mean, they could go after anybody. It's the question of um, how their lawyers are going to weasel out of it. Uh, my biggest pet peeve is how demotiv- demotivated the Republican base in California is to vote. They don't even try. Yeah, and that's something I posted on my story uh, a while back, and a lot of people had said what their takes were, why they believed it was one way or the other. Um, a lot of people say, well, it's because Republicans left. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's a good chance Republicans left. There's a good chance Democrats left, too. Like, Democrats, um, you know, as funny as it is, Democrats don't like a lot of these policies um, that they voted for because it hurts their pocketbook and it makes it harder for them to live. So they go and they just go to other states and then they destroy those states. Um so I don't think it's necessarily like I don't think it was that big of a drop off from one year to another where uh, you saw, you know, double digit drop off from one to another amongst Republicans. I don't think it, it happened that fast. I really think it's apathy and I really think it's um, I really think it's apathy. I, I really think it's a lot of people just kind of spreading this idea of like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you vote. It does, you know, the noodles will win no matter what. And that's it. So why vote? And of course, I always say, like, look, 
Yeah, Noodles is going to win not because he cheats, but because he has the numbers and because he doesn't really have to do anything. I mean, look at his opponent. It's Brian Dolly. Uh, no one even knows who Brian Dolly usually is. Um, I mean, if you walked around any neighborhood and said, oh, do you support Brian Dolly? They'll be like, who the hell's Brian Dolly? Um, but I always tell people, like, it, it still matters to vote. Like, just because these big elections, like governor, don't go your way doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to give up because it doesn't it doesn't go down that way. You could still make a huge impact on a lot of local elections and a lot of local races, and you can still go in and you can still vote for school board and you can still vote for city council and you can still vote for county supervisor. And those are probably more important than whoever the governor is. So I know it's frustrating because you keep looking at sort of this figurehead of who's governor. And yeah, we all want someone like a Ron DeSantis to run California. Well, in reality, we need a lot of good people running local offices as well. Because that has a much more cumulative effect if a lot of good people are running local offices over the state. And, you know, even the state legislature, stuff like that, you still have a big impact on those races. So don't just give up and be like, oh, because Noodles won by so much, he must have cheated. It must be mail-in voting and stuff like that. Okay, is that the only part? You, you, do you legitimately just get your ballot and just vote for governor and then throw the rest away? Like, no, we, you know, we've gone over this before and we've talked about it and I've gone over the ballots and stuff like that. Uh, but you have to do your research and figure out who's running for local elections and you have to support those people and you have to get out and vote for those people because many of these races are actually decided by hundreds of votes, you know, a hundred votes here, a hundred votes there could make the difference between a lot of these local elections. So just throwing that out there. Um, do, 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 do. Do you think that's why Trump didn't get rid of Fauci? It would have been too political. Yeah, I think that's absolutely why he didn't get rid of Fauci, I think. Uh, I think if he had gotten rid of Fauci, a guy who had been around for 50 years, he says, oh, you know, a lot of people are like, look, he's been trusted by Republican and Democrat uh, administration. So obviously he's very nonpartisan. Um, so why would you get rid of someone? He tried to bring in like Dr. Atlas towards the end of 2020, right before the election. I think he should have brought in someone like Dr. Atlas a lot sooner than what he did. Uh, but I think that's exactly why Dr. Fauci stuck around so long is because of the fact that he'd been around for 50 years. And people were like, if you get rid of him, then obviously Trump's just being a political hack. So even though Fauci himself is sort of a political hack because he revealed later on that he didn't like working for Trump and that he probably told him the wrong things to get him to lose. So, um, but now because someone will be there appointed by Biden, they can easily get rid of that person because they can be like, well, we don't like this person. We're going to fire him and get rid of him. I wouldn't put it past it. Like if Trump won or DeSantis won and they had some person at the head of the infectious disease control or whatever, uh, Dr. Fauci's position was that they wouldn't turn around and go, okay, we're going to put our own person in now. And maybe it goes back and forth that way for the rest of you know, maybe that's it for the rest of time. So we go back and forth with infectious disease doctors. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? COVID was enormously and, and overly politicized by the government, by the media, and by people who were sort of at the, the levers of power. So, you know, and you can thank that's one of going to be Dr. Fauci's legacy is that he politicized. Uh, how this all went down and what happened because, uh, you know, 
he wanted to be at the front of every camera and he wanted to make his voice known. and He wanted to talk down to people who disagreed with him. So he politicized it. And now he's politicized the position. It'll likely be politicized forever as opposed to just being a nonpartisan position. So thank you, Dr. Fauci's. Do, 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 do. Didn't Trump need congressional approval to remove Fauci? I don't think so because it's an executive branch. Uh, the center for is, is the infectious center for the infectious disease or whatever. Um, I think that's an executive thing. So he could, he could get rid of him and the band played on. Yep. Um, deep, 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 deep. Yeah. Look it up. It's, I'm sure you could go find, um, I'm sure you could go find, <coughs> excuse me. I'm sure you could go find it at a library and the band played on. If you want to read about it. So think about it. It's a, a interesting look at like what Dr. Fauci did far removed from COVID politics and all that stuff. So you can really get an idea of like, look, I looked, I read this book and the band played on and you can look at how bad he was back in the eighties and they killed him. I mean, there were people who were protesting outside of his office saying like he was, um, that he was doing a really bad job. Uh, dip, 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 Let's see. Noodles is winning because he has better marketing and branding. Well, that's why Democrats are winning in California in general is because they have better marketing and branding. Um, but he has the numbers. Like he doesn't really have to try that hard. Uh, when forty nine percent of registered voters in the state of California are Democrats, and your opponent is a no name from Northern California. It's not really that going to be that big of a deal. I think like if Larry Elder ran, it'd be interesting to see if Larry Elder actually ran a campaign against Gavin Newsom and raised money. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if it was a Larry Elder versus a Gavin Newsom, not Larry Elder kind of crunched into a month uh, before the election, but like an actual, you know, campaign of like a year or so of Larry Elder and him going at it. So he has no competition, right? There is absolutely no, um, that's the issue is he has no competition. There's no opposition party. Um, but, 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 but. I get tired of this who keep playing about things are, but going never actually want to vote to make a difference. I hear you brother. Yep. You can change a lot of things with local votes. So Yeah. There's a movie version of the band played on from 1993. Yeah. Okay. I never heard why Larry Elder didn't want to run again. Do you know? Uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess he didn't really want to run a full campaign. I've heard rumors that maybe he might be running for president. Um, yeah, he might be like an issue candidate. That's one thing I've heard is that he he might be doing an issue sort of thing. Um, not that he's going to win. I think, you know, there are candidates who bring up issues and they just run because they want a platform to bring up issues. And then the person who wins the primary ends up taking that issue because they see that's a winning issue. So um, we'll see. Uh, surprisingly, we, he didn't. I mean, he could have just went with his momentum from the recall. I mean, the guy got, what, almost 5 million votes. That's a pretty good amount of votes for a guy who jumped into a race 
less than two months before the recall, he kind of jumped in and was like, okay, here I am. And then he got 5 million of the votes. He really clobbered him. Uh, so he could have definitely, I think, given Gavin Newsom a run for his money. And I think that's one issue that, you know, it's sad we don't have more people who are willing to do that, where they just fight just because you never know how many more people are just going to wake up to, oh God, I said, I said, wake up, uh, to, what you're saying, what you're talking about. Like right now, there's literally no opposition from Brian Dolly. I haven't seen one commercial from him. I haven't seen him sort of pressing Gavin Newsom on anything. Um, so, you know, he's going to run away with it. So California needs to start getting Republicans in the Congress and Senate and local level before we can win governor. Uh, I would, uh, If you mean by like our state legislature, I completely agree. We need to get more people in there more than anything. Uh, because I think that uh, that's really where it's at. I think we need to worry about evening out the state legislature, making it so they can't um, so they can't actually uh, ram these bills through these crazy bills, and it, that would help a lot if you could even out the state legislature. You know, things would change dramatically here in the state of California if you had a fifty-fifty split of Republicans and Democrats, or just Democrats and. I always say Republicans, look, I always say Republicans as like the general opposition because they're the second biggest party or the, they're the biggest party. Um, but I'm saying anybody who's Democrats and anti-Democrats, meaning they could be Republicans, Libertarians, Independents, anything like that, just to oppose the Democrats at this point. It's kind of like we're all in this together. We're all in this together, just like they told us two years ago. I sent you a Brian Dolly ad a few weeks ago. It must have been so memorable. I forgot all about it. Thank you for sending me the ad. I, I guess it wasn't it didn't stick out in my mind. Yeah, we gotta break the supermajority. Vote gold, baby. If people don't know, gold is the uh, the color of uh, their their color of the Libertarian Party. So that's what vote gold means. Yeah. So with that, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Like I said, no uh, weekly podcast this week. We're doing a lot of technical updates and stuff like that so we can provide a better podcast experience. Uh, we got a lot of guests lined up, people who are asking to come on and stuff like that. We got a lot of shows that I want to do. Uh, we're going to be heading into the election season now that summer is winding down and next weekend is Labor Day weekend. It's kind of like, here we go. Summer is really over. Um, school's back in session. One thing I, I still can't really understand I can't get over as a East coaster is that people in California go back to school really early, like the middle of August. I don't remember going back to school that early. I always thought it was like end of August, September. Um, but anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. We do this every Wednesday at 9am on Instagram. Uh, also there's always an audio version, uh, on Apple, Spotify, Google, stuff like that. If you enjoy the podcast, like that on audio, you can go ahead and subscribe, like, and review all that stuff helps grow the, the, the podcast. Um, and what candidates are scheduled for their podcast uh, we have a couple up in the air, so we're just going to nail them down. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh yeah. If you like subscribe, like share review, all that stuff. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this and all that. Uh, the don't eat the bugs shirt, which is there's a tank top, there's a t-shirt, there's a women's tee, and there's a hoodie, a crop hoodie. Um, I'm told they're very popular. So, uh, yeah, go check out the store. It looks great. Uh, my good friend is Valdo, not as Valado. Um, he pointed that out and said, I'm not Russian. I said, I'm sorry. That must've been autocorrect. Uh, 
showed me the other day. It looks great. Shirt looks amazing. It looks like it came out really well. Don't eat the bugs. And for all those people who are like, I don't get the don't eat the bugs. You're going to see more of it. They're going to talk about eating bugs more and more and more. So don't eat the bugs. Go eat steak. Go eat beef. Go eat stuff like that. I got invited to a barbecue this this Friday. Uh, and the person hosting said, oh, I'm going to make sure I get a lot of uh, uh, those impossible meatless burgers and gluten-free buns. And I wanted to respond, uh, you're going to have healthy options as well, too, right? Like actual uh, beef burgers because um, impossible burgers are not very healthy for you. Look at the ingredients and see all the stuff that's in impossible burgers. But anyway, that's a whole different show. We don't need to talk about what's going on in impossible beef burgers and all like that. Just eat meat, eat meat, eat stuff that God put out there for us to eat and all that. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty petty like that. I think it's just funny because people try to pretend like meatless burgers or impossible burgers are way healthier than beef burgers. And I'm like, they're not like, just eat good quality grass fed beef. You know, you'll feel a lot better. Um, so yeah, with that said, thanks for tuning in everybody. Check out the shirts and all the merchandise working on the, uh, noodle shirt. I showed you the, the logo, Last week, I showed you the King Noodle, so we're working on the King Noodles um, shirt as well. And uh, that should be coming out soon. And that's basically it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great day. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 